Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 286, and we're going to take a look at what is called the United States housing bubble, and this was in the 2000s. So this is talking about real estate, and I think it's very important to take a look at this because this affected a whole lot of people in the United States, and many people lost their homes, and it created very much a tidal wave. of financial distress. So, we're going to take a look at this because this directly impacted Americans. It directly impacted consumers even if someone didn't lose their home. It still impacted them because it caused inflation. So, this is why we have to be very careful about our rules, laws, regulations and legislation and also we we need to really be careful about what we allow in the financial sector and the banking sector. of the United States because we don't want another housing bubble or another financial crisis to happen. So, not pleasant, but this is nothing new, but we can definitely learn from our, from our mistakes. So, it says the 2000s uh, United States housing bubble was a real estate bubble affecting over half of the United States, and I think it actually affected everybody. Um it was the It basically was the subprime mortgage crisis. Housing prices peaked in early 2006. start to decline in 2006 and 2007 and reached new lows in 2011 on December 30th 2008 the case shiller home price index reported the largest price drop in its history well here's the thing if housing prices are dropping technically that's a perfect time to buy but if you purchased a house at a much higher price and now you're losing your house then even when you sell your house or foreclose it you're going to owe more money than what it's actually worth. That's why this was such a financial crisis and a housing crisis because people were on the hook for way more money than what their property was actually worth. But if you could afford to buy a home, then it's better to buy when it's super cheap. Like that's when you buy stuff is when it's super cheap because it actually helps the economy to rebound. Not everybody views it that way, but financially, I would say from a financially stable point of view that's when you want to buy a house is when things don't look very good because things are super cheap things are super low it says the credit crisis resulting from the bursting of the housing bubble is an important cause of the great recession in the United States well um i i don't really call it a great recession um i just it's it's just a recession we've had several recessions and it's just that seems to impact different people at different times and I kind of feel like we have a recession almost every generation so it's it's kind of like the great depression. Well, they call it the great recession. Well, we've had many recessions. I don't think this was the greatest one, my personal opinion, because I think recessions affect different groups of people in different ways, especially in the United States. Like for example, sometimes Oklahoma, which is where I'm currently stationed, sometimes we get hit with multiple recessions, but it's because of oil and gas. because we are a oil and gas state because we drill. Not always the case. It's not always like that on the east and west coast. It's not always like that in other states, but we definitely feel the impact of oil and gas when other states do not. And that's because we are in that industry. So again, I don't think that this was like a great recession, but it did impact the entire United States because everybody was affected by housing prices. It it just is even if you owned your home, your house was affected by this pricing because if your neighbor's house tanked, I don't agree with this, but usually like when a assessor comes out and assesses your house for the value, things like that, they also are looking at your neighbor's housing. So think about it. if you 
basically don't want to pay more taxes on your home, but your neighbors have really gussied up their houses, then that increases the price of your house and you owe more taxes. That I don't agree with. <laughs> so that's why I don't agree with property tax every year. The only time you should pay property tax is when you purchase a home or sell a home, I'd say that. But every year having to pay property tax, that's totally unlawful. It should be illegal, but you know, the government loves to get money out of us, that's for sure. So there was an increased foreclosure rate in 2006 and 2007, not surprising there. And that led to another crisis in August 2008. Um for the subprime Alt A Alt A that's A L T dash A um I think it's collateralized debt obligation that's also known as CDO then mortgages credit hedge funds and foreign bank markets in October 2007 um the United States Secretary of the Treasury called the bursting bubble housing bubble housing bubble excuse me the most significant risk to our economy eh. That's not true. The most significant risk to our economy is whenever we're having to defend our country like in a war. Housing housing bubbles and crises they 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 come and go. This is nothing new. This one just happened to be really bad because of stupid things that happened in terms of legislation and banking and it affected a lot of people. So not a fan of that, but that's just kind of how it is sometimes. Um It says any collapse of the United States housing bubble has a direct impact not only on home valuations but mortgage markets very true home builders real estate um it says home supply retail outlets eh, I don't think they really feel it as much because there's always going to be contractors they have Wall Street hedge funds held by large institutional investors that I agree with because they very much do invest in real estate and then foreign banks increasing the risk of a nationwide recession Mm, I mean, we did have a recession, but that's not going to stop other countries from investing in the United States. It's just not because people want to make money here in the United States. And what's interesting is that even when we have a recession, we are still ahead of the rest of the planet. So, sometimes you have to take these things with a grain of salt. Um it says concerns about the impact of the collapsing housing and credit markets on the larger US economy caused President Bush and the chairman of the Federal Reserve to announce a limited bailout of the United States housing market for homeowners who were unable to pay their mortgage debts. I don't agree with that. I don't think you should be bailing people out. I think you are an adult once you are age 18, you suck it up. Sometimes these things happen and you're never going to learn from your mistakes if you always get bailed out. That's just how it is. Like I don't agree with that bailout. I don't agree with bailing out um what's it called General Motors is is um Oh gosh, it was connected to a labor union up north. I don't agree with that. The automakers, I don't agree with bailing them out at all. Um I did not agree with bailing out um I think they were educational loans. Like we've had several bailouts here in the United States that I do not agree with. That's not what American tax dollars are supposed to be used for. It it's not supposed to be viewed as someone else's personal piggy, piggy bank and it's like, "Oh, oops, I made a mistake. Bail me out." No. That's not what our tax dollars are used for. I think people need to grow up. And that may sound harsh, but that's how it is. Otherwise, you're going to be creating a socialistic government. And you might think, well, you know, President Bush was Republican. That's true, but his family very much practices elitism. That's why Jeb Bush ran for president and he thought he should have won. <laughs> he was a oh man. He would not have been a good president. He was weak and stupid and I'm not a fan of him anyway. It says that the United States government in 2008 allotted or allocated over 900 billion dollars which would which would be about 
I think maybe 1.13, mm, I would say it's more like $1.2 trillion in 2021 would be the equivalent to that. And they allocated um, $900 billion to special loans and rescues um, related to the, the housing bubble, which I don't think we should have been on the hook for that. I think that's stupid. It says that this was shared between the public sector and the private sector. I don't think any of this should have happened. I think it's wrong. It says because of the large market share of Federal National Mortgage Association, also known as Fannie Mae, and the Federal Home Loan Mortgage Corporation, which is Freddie Mac, both of which are government-sponsored enterprises, as well as the Federal Housing Administration, they received a substantial share, why am I not surprised, of government support, even though their mortgages were more conservatively underwritten and actually performed better than those of the private sector. I don't necessarily agree with that with Fannie Mae and um, uh, Freddie Mac. Um, it's, it's socialism. It's creeping socialism, and I'm not surprised they got a whole bunch of money. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I think it's wrong. Um, it says here, land prices contributed much more to the price increases than did structures. I don't really agree with that because... It really does matter how you build a structure and what all you are investing in. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, are you putting cheap countertops or are you putting in marble? You know what I mean? So it, it does matter. Um, see, moving on, it says the mortgage and credit crisis was caused by the inability of a large number of homeowners to pay their mortgages as their low introductory rate mortgages reverted to regular interest rates. That's why it should always be regular interest rates. So basically, um, one of the things that happened, this happened in uh, President Obama's term as well, um, they made it so that just about anybody, regardless of income, could buy a house, and there was no down payment. Whereas before, some of these risky loans were being offered, and they were forced upon Uh, they're forced on financial institutions by the government. So the government's saying you have to give out these loans, otherwise you're committing a federal offense. So there are many financial institutions. They did not want to give loans to people that made them very nervous, meaning they didn't think that they could actually afford a house and they had no down payment. Whereas before these loans were offered and forced upon these banks and these financial institutions by our government, you had to have anywhere from 20 to 40 percent Um, down as a, as a down payment, like you had to have 20 to 40 percent, excuse me, of the cost of the house or condo or whatever. You had to have that up front, and that was your deposit. And it's almost like when you're getting an apartment, right? Usually when you don't have a deposit at all, that's kind of suspicious sometimes, especially the nicer the place is. If they're completely waiving a deposit, that's kind of strange. So it's important that whenever you are handling a home loan, that it be on the up and up, and that it be completely completely legit. Unfortunately, with some of these loans that were offered, they weren't legit, but they were offered, and they were protected at a federal level, which is why Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac got away with so much money. And it was a tremendous problem. So basically, the government, the federal government, got involved in housing and basically um, gave housing to people that they could not afford a house. They did not have a stable job. They did not have stable income. And they were biting off more than they could chew. Well, the government, especially a progressive and liberal government, thinks that you should have a house whether you can afford it or not. Well, that's not how the real world works. If you cannot afford to own a house, we're talking about owning, not renting. 
If you cannot afford to own a house, that's your problem, not everybody else's. And I don't mean that harshly. I'm just saying that if you want to own a home and you can't right now, then like I've said in times past, you need to get a job where you make double or triple the money. So that way you can afford a house and you can pay it off a whole lot quicker. And you need to have a stable job and you need to have a job that you actually enjoy. Not it may not necessarily be something that you love, but you need to have a job where you actually look forward going to work and you actually view it as a career and not just something to hold you over. Because I've learned that whenever people lose a job that they never really liked, they were basically already on their way out the door before they lost their job. And to me, that's kind of it's kind of a lack of character because I think if you're going to have a job, you need to have something that you actually enjoy. And every job that you have, whether you like it or not, or whether you enjoy it or not, is a stepping stone hopefully in the right direction. So, just FYI be aware of that. Um There's some people that say that the, that the economic bubble um was difficult to identify. I don't agree with that at all. I think if you're paying attention to how much the government gets involved in housing or gets involved in anything, whenever the government gets involved like that and starts telling the private sector what to do, that's when you're going to have problems because that's really how this started. You have many Democrats in the government that they just want housing to be free for everybody. Well, it's not free. It's not free. It's not I mean even section 8 is not free. And here's the thing, section 8, those houses, I'll just say it, they suck. And the apartments, they're awful. Reason why is because you get people that move in, they do not have the desire or the character to take to take care of what they have been given even temporarily. So it tends to be very ghetto, very trashy, drug infested and crime infested. This is why many landlords do not accept section 8. I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all because section 8 you're having to rely on the government to pay these bills and for people to actually value where they live because they're not treating it like their home because they know that the government's paying the bills. So basically these people that are in section 8 they're takers they're not earners is what I'm saying. Um says here I think they think moving on It says that um you know there there were people that made really good money during the housing crisis and again it's people that bought really cheap property flipped them and then when the housing crisis stopped then they were able to make money so even during a crisis you've got to be smart you've got to be smart it I'm going to say this I don't mean it harshly but it doesn't pay to be dumb it doesn't pay to be stupid be smart um There have been different housing market corrections in terms of I would say pricing, but then again, you're you're having to deal with well, let, let me just give this as an example. Like let's say for example, the state of California. A house out there, like just a normal average everyday house, cost a minimum of a million dollars, maybe 3 million. Whereas here in Oklahoma it costs now it's actually gone up it's like about 300 or $400,000. So you know inflation has been a problem in the state of California and New York for a long time. Is California beautiful? Yes. Wonderful? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But is an average home worth 
one to three million dollars? No. California is notorious for having all these taxes and overpricing land. They overpriced labor. Like California is one of the first states to drastically increase their minimum wage. Here's the thing: I'm all for people making more money, but it doesn't make sense to pay someone more money to do the exact same job they were doing. Like they're not growing in their career; they're just staying stagnant. But yet they expect to make way more money. Well, that's not how the real world works. Typically, when people make more money, it's because they're doing something different, or they've taken on more responsibility in their life, and they're growing in their career. It's kind of like the difference between having a part-time job and a full-time job, or it's kind of like the difference between being a a accounting clerk versus a a technically licensed CPA or maybe a comptroller. The more responsibility you take on, the more you should be getting paid. But if you're not taking on more responsibility, I mean, sure, you can get a raise, but it shouldn't be like a huge jump in pay because you're not actually doing anything new. And again, I'm all for people making more money, but you have to be willing to grow and change in that position. You have to. Like I've worked in the food industry, I've worked as a waitress, but I didn't stay there. I worked it, I enjoyed it, I earned my living, I earned an income, but I knew that that was temporary for me. But I learned a lot about the food industry. I learned knowledge that I would have never gotten by just working in an office all the time, right? And I'm not against working in an office. But I'm just saying that every job teaches you something. Well, do you really think that? I know this is going to sound harsh, but do you really think that people that make minimum wage can afford a four hundred thousand dollar home? And do you think they deserve that house? I don't think they do because if you don't make the money to be able to afford that, then you shouldn't have it. That's why we have, I would say, a very strict process in our banking sector and in our finance and real estate sector of the United States that says, "Hey, can you really afford this? Verify your income," and I think that's actually reasonable. Because again, the housing crisis or the housing bubble, it was caused because the federal government got involved, and you have many Democrats that think that people shouldn't have to pay their bills. An example of this, and I'll close with this, is the state of California. They're either encouraging or forcing hotels that don't have full occupancy. They're they're kind of forcing them to take in homeless people, and then homeless people are trashing and ruining their hotels. And that's just terrible. And then if it's homeless people that are staying there at these really nice hotels, guess who's paying for it? You and me, the taxpayer. Now is that fair to everybody else? No, it's not. We are not responsible for the homeless. Should we take care of them? Yes, but they, you know, most of them are adults. Adults have to be responsible for themselves. If they have a mental illness, then they, then they need to be admitted to a mental institution, and they need to get the help that they need. But many of these people, they don't want help. You can't force people to change. But unfortunately, Democrats, they just want everything to be free, but they know it's not free because they want to raise your taxes. And that's what happened here with the housing crisis. 
They put a whole bunch of people in houses that they could not afford the house. And that's why there were so many foreclosures. And some of these houses, they were beautiful. I even saw them in my neighborhood during this time. Many of these beautiful houses became destroyed, just disgusting homes, and they had to be sold as HUD houses. HUD, HUD houses, which means that you have to have a very specific type of loan to purchase that house because it's going to be a fixer-upper. Like there's one house I looked at cuz I was looking at buying a house at the time. I was like, "Oh, a hut house. I'll take a look at it." Cuz I was like, "Well, I'll fix it up. That's fine." Oh my gosh, the people that lost this house, they were so angry that they lost their home. They stripped out all the copper out of all the appliances or AC unit or the hot water tank. They they destroyed the cabinets in the kitchen like they ripped them off the wall. Um I think they oh, what did they do? They I think they tore up the floor. And then there was I can't stand when people do this whenever they add an additional room to the house and it just looks so tacky. It's not part of the original house, but they added on this additional room. It was like a a playroom. It was so tacky. And so their kids, oh man, they they destroyed it. Destroyed it. And what these people don't realize is that yes, they lost their home, but if you make it more difficult for your home to be resold, that's your stupidity and that's actually the complete opposite of what you should be doing. If you lose your home, I get it sucks, but you should make it as easily resellable as possible. Because it affects you and your debt and your loan and technically garnishments. It affects you. So if you want to get out of the hole quicker, you want to make sure that you're doing your part. And so needless to say, we had a whole bunch of hut houses even here in Oklahoma and it was really sad because for Oklahoma to have a whole bunch of hut houses, that really says a lot. Hud houses happen all the time in more expensive states, but usually in places like Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas and you know some of the other states like that, um we usually don't have a high rate of trashed out houses unless they're like rentals and they're usually section 8, which is really sad because these hud houses I couldn't tell that it was a normal house. It looked like a section 8 house in like a really nice neighborhood. And guess what? It took forever to repair and to make these houses normal. It took a long time because the people that lived there previously, they totally wrecked it, they damaged it and I get they're mad. They lost their home, but that doesn't give you permission to extremely destroy private property that's no longer yours. When these people were obviously angry, it was just shocking to walk around this house and see the damage that was purposely done. It's not just an accident. Oh my gosh, these people, they they tore up the walls, they punched the walls, they I mean they they ruined as many things as they possibly could and it was actually this one house was actually really beautiful and um i was just totally taken aback at what these people did but again that's the lack of character of the people that previously owned the home so they got into a whole bunch of debt that they could not handle and then when they lost their house they blamed everybody else except for themselves that is a lack of character and that's why banks and other financial institutions did not want to go along with these very risky loans that were forced upon them by the federal government. So again, big government not good. Small government, that's awesome because then your country, specifically the United States because we are a capitalistic society, the smaller the government, the wealthier your people are. But the bigger the government, the poorer your people are. And I think this uh housing crisis to happen in the t- uh, 2000s I think that is a perfect example of government interference 
that really affected a minimum of 50% of the United States. It was really sad because now you, you had all these empty houses that were ruined that had to be repaired and resold. But if they're not sellable, then they just sit there. Like the HUD house that I went and saw, it sat there for a long time. I mean a long time. And you know if it's sitting there a long time, it's rotting. It's not getting fixed. There's probably animals living in it. And that's really sad because, again, it was a really beautiful home. Um, but that's what happens when you have people living in a house that they can't afford it and they don't appreciate it and they're just living off of the government. That is a tremendous problem. So, again, if someone cannot afford something, it doesn't matter how much you love them. It's about can they actually afford it? Do they have the character? Do, do they have the stability to handle such a purchase? If they do not, then they shouldn't get it. You can pray for them and God will help them. But they've got to do their part. They've got to be willing to be a normal functioning adult that's willing to do everything they can that is legal and moral to be a successful person. But there are many people, they don't want to do the work. Laziness is nothing new. That is nothing new. There, there are lazy people in every generation. But there are many people, they have no desire to be successful, but they want the car, the house, the The, the, the uh, basically the, the boat or the vacation. It's like, well, those things cost money. So if you want those things, that's great. But you have to earn it. Because if you don't earn it, then you can't pay for it. That's basically what I'm trying to say with this. But I'll go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye. Waves transform the earth